Good day and welcome to Eyewitness Good News, the first name in good news coverage. Today is a great day as we continue our in-depth coverage on the life of the recently deceased Jesus of Nazareth, who some claims the promised Messiah, even the Son of God. You've heard the buzz, you've heard all the rumors, and it's time to get the facts. Luke, the physician, has a reputation for carefully researched reporting, and this promises to be no exception. He has read the written accounts, traveled to the original locations, and interviewed eyewitnesses. And now that his careful investigation is over, he is ready to share his orderly account with all our viewers. For the details of his research, please find a copy of his excellent book. But for now, we will send you over to the field for today's top story. Thanks again to Luke for his excellent research, and thank you for tuning in. As always, this is Josh Smith for Eyewitness Good News. Good morning and welcome, church. My name is Kanan Webb, and I'm part of the student ministry here at FCC, and I'm so excited to be a part of this service today. And today, I want to talk a little bit about your priorities. We all have priorities. They're different for all of us. For some of us, it could be our jobs, family, and kids. And for others, it could be school and sports. And these are very important because a lot of these have to do with our future, the bills, keeping our family together, and most importantly, my shoe obsession. Two of the biggest priorities for me would definitely have to be basketball and shoes. For basketball, it's both playing and watching. When it comes to playing, uh, it's a mix of things. Sometimes I would go to the gym and just do shooting workouts or dribbling workouts and just work on my skill a little bit. Or other times, it would be going to the gym just playing pickup with my buddies. Or when it comes to watching, I will clear time to make sure I can just go watch games or just make sure I plan around it to make sure I can watch. This even goes all the way down to memorizing stats. Now, a lot of people know that LeBron James passed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for most points all time in NBA history. But what a lot of people don't know is Jason Tatum passed Larry Bird for the most 50-point games all time in Celtics history. Do I need to know this? Absolutely not, but I do. <laughs> the other thing is shoes. I look at shoes all the time, I clean shoes all the time, and I talk about shoes all the time. You can even ask my parents. It's all I talk about. There are these apps that I have that I'll use to memorize release dates or try to get certain shoes from the apps. Like, for example, the Jordan 5 UNC releases on March 4th at 10 a.m. Eastern time, and I'm super excited for those. <laughs> but one shoe that a lot of people aren't as excited for is the Air JT1. Jason Tatum's shoe, by the way. And I'm super excited for those because it's one that I've been looking forward to for a while. And those release on April 7th. Basketball and shoes, they aren't bad things unless they take us away from God. Sometimes these priorities take us away from God. This means that these priorities have become distractions and we put them above God and we need to give our attention back to God. These are not always bad things, though. Sometimes things that distract us are good things as well. Basketball was fun, but it was very time-consuming and tiring. We would have practices every day, and they'd be two hours or longer. Or, and then after that, we would have another hour or two where we would have to work on shooting or dribbling, passing, just stuff like that in general. On top of this, we would have game days where we would have a whole day of school, 
and then we would leave for games right after, and we wouldn't have any time in the day. And then in the off-season, you had travel ball, which took up a bunch of time with practices and tournaments on the weekends. This was a time in my life where I prioritized basketball over God. It would lead me to either not go to church or not leave time to read my Bible or even pray. Or when it comes to watching, I would maybe skip a Wednesday night youth group just to watch a basketball game. This affected me a ton, and I didn't focus on God. I felt more stressed and tired all the time, and most of all, I felt lost, and it put me in a really bad headspace. This was me being distracted by something and putting it over God. What about you, though? We all have different priorities, and that's okay, as long as it doesn't take us away from God. Is it happening to you? Because I think it could be, considering it happened to someone in the Bible who loved Jesus a lot, and her name is Martha. So if you would, please open your Bibles or Bible apps to Luke 10, 38 through 42. Okay. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, Ethan wants me to say something real quick, so there's no misunderstanding about what the text is about. And this story is not about the contrast between service and study. It's not saying that service and active work is only bad and, are, and only contemplation and study pleases God. We know this because it is clear witness of Scripture that both service and study are pleasing to God. God is honored by our diligent service and our diligent study. God is honored by preparing meals and prayer. The problem is that Martha has become distracted by her service and even worse, criticizes Mary for her choice to learn from Jesus. So Ethan didn't want us to miss that because service and study are just amazing things in God's kingdom. What this text is about is being distracted by these things and putting them above God. This is what makes it bad. In the text, Jesus says, Mary has chosen what is good for her and it will not be taken away from her. Martha was distracted, which meant she put these things in front of God. If it was about work, well, God wouldn't have said that she was distracted. But what can this look like today? I know what it looked like for me. For me, I did this a lot my sophomore year. It was during COVID and, you know, we had a lot of free time and I could have spent way more time with God than what I did. I decided to go hang out with friends and we'd go ride our bikes for hours or we would go play basketball in the park. Or sometimes I would just sit and watch a movie instead of listening to a sermon or church. And this affected my relationship with God a lot. Or I can look back to basketball, where I put all of my time towards basketball and none of it towards God. This was me being distracted, just as Martha was. And these things, they weren't bad things either, but they distracted me from God. 
But how could this look for you as well? For some of us, it could be school and sports. We often let those things distract us from God. School work is huge because it can change what our future could look like. We always want to keep our grades up, but sometimes we tend to overdo it and we strive for perfection. Or maybe it's sports. Sports are very time demanding with how much you have to practice and everything like that. But maybe you're putting so much time into sports that you're forgetting to read your Bible and pray. So maybe you could take some time away from sports and give it to God. Because, let's be honest, how many people actually make it to a pro sport? Most of us are average. We're good, but like, we're not like insanely good, like the people we see. And sports now become more of a hobby than they do a profession. It took me a really long time to realize that. But as I got older, I realized that it wasn't God's plan for me. Maybe for others, it could be you're caught up in trying to make money. You know, there's no limit to the amount of money that you can make in today's world. So you could be getting caught up in in it so much that you're skipping church. So maybe you could take some time where come to church and maybe give some more towards offering. And for others, it could be traveling the country or world. This is something that's super fun, but this can lead you missing church a lot. So maybe you could take one less vacation and put that time towards serving others or helping others. These things are not bad, but we cannot let them distract us and take God away as our priority. We have to keep God as the number one priority. Jesus teaches us this in his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. He has been talking about worry and all the things that we focus on instead of God's kingdom. And he ends teaching with this. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So, be honest with God. I'll give you some space to answer before God. What is distracting you from putting God at number one? What is distracting you from making him your number one priority? Take a minute and ask yourself, what's distracting you? Is it a shoe collection or basketball? Is it what you will eat? Is it what you will wear? Is it making money? Is it where you will go next? Is it what's due next for a class? Whatever it is, learn from Mary and Martha. Focusing on Jesus is the better choice. So, make God your number one priority. Seek the kingdom first, and God will take care of the rest.
I'm going to pray for us now, and then my friend Jace will come up and finish off the sermon. So, let's pray. Dear Lord, today we might not have you as our number one priority. There are so many distractions that could be taking us away from you right now. So, today we ask that you help us to start making you our number one priority. Amen. <laughs> Hello everyone, my name is Jace Johnston and I'm a senior at Science Hill High School. I have been involved in a few different ministries here at my time at First Christian, but this has been something really new and exciting, and I'm incredibly thankful for the opportunity to be speaking to you today. This series on Luke is personally really interesting because it's one of my favorite books of the Bible, and Luke's more logical analysis is more similar to my typical thinking. And this process of preparing a message with Ethan and Megan has been super fun, but it's also been pretty challenging because we've been working on this for months, which is not my usual style. Now, I don't consider myself a lazy person, and I don't think most of you would think that for yourselves, but I do happen to be a really good procrastinator. And as crazy as people think I am, in my defense, procrastination makes total sense if you have all the time in the world. If there's no immediate urgency, or better yet, you know the deadline you have to hit, why in the world wouldn't you enjoy the now? Say, for example, you have a paper due in three weeks. Some people I know work on it little pieces at a time and use up all three weeks they've been given. But in my brain, the logical thing to do is to soak up every last minute of those two and a half weeks of nothing and then to get busy those last few days. And trust me, there is no feeling in the world like the wild rush of adrenaline that hits when there's an entire unit of pre-calc homework sitting on your desk at 1.30 a.m. due before the test the next morning. That pencil moves faster than anything I've ever seen. Maybe you'd understand more the feeling of typing a whole essay the night before the deadline. One time for me was the Sunday of Thanksgiving break in my junior year. I was supposed to have an entire super important research paper for my AP seminar class in by the next morning. Fortunately, I'd spent the rest of my Thanksgiving break with my family and friends and having a fun time. The downside, though, was that I had 1,200 words with citations to be done by the next morning when most people would be enjoying their sleep. Thankfully, inspired by unhealthy amounts of sweet tea, I barely finished it and was more efficient than I would have been any time else in that Thanksgiving break. I guess I'll say, for those of you who break projects down into tiny pieces, I respect you, and that's probably the smart thing to do. But that's not what I normally do. <laughs> Sometimes, though, I'm a little less lucky. Procrastination becomes much more difficult when you don't know when the deadline is. One example of this is in my chemistry class, when we're in labs, when our teacher leaves the room randomly and gives us no clue as to when he's coming back. And let me tell you, we certainly have a good time when he is not in the room. 
leaving teenage boys unattended around chemicals and gas valves is a little risky. And I want to say, although I may be incriminating myself and I'm not entirely proud of it, I've seen a couple of Bunsen burner flamethrowers and chemical reactions that shouldn't have happened. <laughs> the problem with this, though, is that we never know when he's to be back. So we must be extremely careful to be working and not be these curious scientists when he comes back. Now, if he announced he would be gone for 10 minutes, we would do the logical thing. Work for one, have fun for nine, and get busy in that last minute and make sure everything was straightened up. But he never does this. Sometimes he's gone one minute, sometimes five, sometimes 10, which is honestly cruel to put on us teenage boys in the chemistry lab. And as silly as this is, this does serve as a good example of how procrastination can affect our spiritual lives. In the same way we can procrastinate schoolwork or work work or just other obligations, we can also procrastinate things in our spiritual lives. Spiritual idleness or an inactive, unambitious, or unfulfilling faith would really make all the sense in the world if we had some known deadline to attend to. Like, just hypothetically, if we were told our goal was to be saved and be holy before we turn 70, wouldn't that be wonderful? We could play and have fun and lead normal lives. Until those last couple of months, we would get busy and be saved. The problem, though, is this is not the character of Jesus at all and simply not what he wants for us. Quite the opposite is true, actually. Wherever we are in our faith, Jesus is calling us toward something. Also, another few tiny problems with the whole procrastination idea in our faith is that Jesus is never idle, gives us no deadline, and is always calling us to be further obedient. So, as is made clear through the character of Jesus, spiritual idleness never makes sense. And please don't let this spiritual idleness be some churchy term which doesn't have any real meaning. For some, this looks like a consistent sin which we've just let become a part of who we are. For others, it could look like hypocrisy towards friend, family member, coworker, peer. I know I personally can be quick to judge. For some, maybe it feels like distance from Jesus or that God doesn't see what you're going through. As Canaan mentioned, it can look like a person living a distracted life, focusing on wealth, power, status, or worst of all, collecting shoes. <laughs> it can even look like something as simple as a lack of discipline in the kingdom practices we're called to, like prayer and reading the word. I'm sure every person in this room has at least one habit of spiritual idleness, because I know I do. The reason why this is so important to address, though, is that Jesus makes it abundantly clear that spiritual idleness is a spiritual threat. As we continue on in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus tells a story about this danger in Luke 12, 35-47. So if you want to pull out your Bibles or phones and turn to Luke chapter 12, Jesus says, Be dressed ready for service and keep your lamps burning, like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. 
it will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the middle of the night or towards daybreak. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Peter then asked, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? The Lord answered, Who then is the faithful and wise manager, whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all of his possessions. But suppose the servant says to himself, My master is taking a long time in coming. And he then begins to beat the other servants, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him. And at an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. The servant who knows the master's will and does not get ready or does not do what the master wants will be beaten with many blows. Jesus tells us that he will return at a random time on a random day. And here it is made clear that this will not be a good day for the one who has rejected the work God has given them to do but that his return will be a great day for the one who has been following him diligently and working with integrity. And me personally, I want to be found ready. I want the day he returns to be a day where I loved others and served him well. So thankfully, as usual, Jesus provides us a solution. Though spiritual idleness is a spiritual threat, The cure is to promptly pursue God because smart servants stay ready. And what does prompt mean, you may ask? Prompt means today as soon as possible. We can't keep putting off the work God has for us. We can't keep treating his calling for us like a paper due in April. This can look very different for different people. I, for one, Consistently treat inviting friends to church like a paper due in April. And just to be clear, this means I have done no work whatsoever. Because I am capable of inviting them anytime, my procrastination leads me to invite them no times at all. And it's so easy to do that. There's so many things that are so easy that we can always do that we just get distracted and never end up doing. Thankfully, the cure for this is simple. I need to get busy now. Maybe you're putting something off too. Maybe you have someone you need to reconcile with but have been avoiding it because it may be painful or awkward. Maybe for you it's a sin you've let take over Control your life, become a habit that you've been ignoring for months or years. Maybe you've been putting off reading your Bible because 
you've got too much going on. Maybe you've been caught in distraction, letting jealousy or status or money take up too much of your time and headspace. Regardless of what it is for you, these things are more important to confront than a paper due in April. Smart servants stay ready. And the benefit of this spiritual diligence is a closer relationship with God, which can be experienced right now, every day. This intentionality allows us to connect with the wonderful counselor, prince of peace, mighty God, who has our best in mind, and allows us to see more clearly the ways in which he is working. So, as one final, hugely important thing, pop quiz. Are you ready today? If you had a quiz every day, you would study every night, right? And thankfully for us, we have the most loving teacher possible. Jesus wants to help us, wants to draw us near, and wants to nourish us in our faith to combat this spiritual idleness. So, work with diligence, love with intentionality, be disciplined in your faith, draw near to him, confront that sin, rebuild that relationship, invite that friend. Maybe for you, it's time to join a group. Maybe it's being more generous in your giving. Maybe it's time you join in the mission of our church. Maybe you need to give your life to Jesus. And I'm going to be honest, I've been putting off plenty of things myself. Through the conviction of the word and preparing the sermon, I have invited one friend. There's so many more I need to invite, though, and plenty of other things I've been procrastinating. But friends, my hope is that we would all stop putting off Jesus' call for us, and that we would prioritize his kingdom first, in everything that we do. Right now, I'm going to pray with you, and I pray that if there is something you have been procrastinating, you will right now confess it to God and get busy today. When the worship team comes back out, Adam will be up front ready to talk to anyone who wants to commit to making a change and getting busy today. Maybe it's joining the church. Maybe today is the day you make the decision for Christ. Spiritual idleness is a spiritual threat. But Jesus tells us we can overcome this by promptly pursuing him because smart servants stay ready. So, let's get to it. Pray with me. God, I pray today that you would move in the hearts of everyone who has been putting something off. I pray that you would help us to stay ready and to serve you every single day. Thank you for being with us in this moment. And I pray that you would be with everyone as they serve you and go out to do your mission. In Jesus' name, amen.